1: Nebraska Prep's post game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. I love the bit the big voice guy. Uh, it's is Nebraska Prep's post game. That's Jacob Padilla. We're still friends. It's early. Um He did not take the bait. During the Suns-Lakers games yesterday, I replied with a very immature, huh? <laughs> and he did I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of bait folks are using to fish, man. You're just not biting, are you? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, I, I admit it was wishful thinking, that, that thought on, on that particular play. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can acknowledge something I, like that. Listen, and you know what's funny? Like, your reputation precedes you because, like, when you're sharp and got it all buttoned mm-hmm. up, you'll take a conversation into the night if you feel like it, but you the fact you didn't say anything it 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 lightened me up. I was like, oh you know he he wasn't being like he wasn't one hundred percent serious or for real because you're not afraid to clap back like when yeah. you're right you're going there. I gotta wait till a little bit later in this series. We'll see
0: where it stands next week maybe i'll show up decked out of my son's gear or something like that got gotta see where we're at. after one game i'm not I'm not getting too excited, but it, it was encouraging the the way they played in that game for sure so
1: the, the, this is the har- I'm not going to kid you. This is the hardest Laker team for me to like since the days of Eldon Campbell. <laughs> I'm talking it's- Scott, Eldon Campbell, like, not Byron, Tony, Smith, I should say, not Scott. Uh, it's not a real likable group, in my opinion. So this one is tough for me. You enjoyed cheering on Smush Parker? That was tough. <laughs> Sasha Vujovic, that, I mean, the pretty hair getting, it, Kobe taking off his shoes on the sidelines <laughs> during the playoff game. That was hard. Hey, why are you bringing the stuff? <laughs> I I, You know, the, as soon as I think we get over the hump, you just pull me back in. Yeah, it, it is It is a little crazy to me, like, uh,
0: that you're so much not a LeBron guy and the fact that he's on your team and it's hard for you to enjoy it. Yeah. Like, as someone I've... Uh, LeBron's been one of my favorite players in the league. Loved watching him play, um, and he's the kind of guy that I do like. Guys that do everything, great passers. Um, th- those are the kind of guys that I enjoy watching. Kind of the the, the triple threat um, or triple double threat type of thing. Guys that can impact the game in so many different ways. And LeBron's long been one of my favorite players in the league. And uh, the antics get get a little much at times, but I'm see, I'm okay. Like I can kind of. Some of that stuff doesn't really bother me if I like your game and uh I, I like you as a guy or whatever like and obviously he's never really uh, for, for as long as he's had the spotlight on him he's never really screwed up like so many others have so like that, that's that that's stuff like a little annoying it doesn't bother me too much though I was like oh, I'll just focus on something else
1: let me let me so you're right kind of <laughs> um as good as as good an ambassador as he's been for the game for so long with very few off-the-court missteps. Agree or disagree with some of his political stances, but as far as carrying the torch for the NBA, outside of the decision, and China, but that's still more political, hasn't had very many missteps for the amount of pressure He has to represent the league. So, yes, I'm with you there. Handled a ton of pressure. That being said, if I was 6'9", 260, (laughs) I would not throw myself on the ground near that much. (laughs) Right? Like, like why would you do that? It's just not necessary. So, it drives me crazy.
0: It drives me crazy. And yeah it is really annoying especially when it happens against your team and you're like come on how can you not see what's happening there but so many guys do it now that I have a hard time single out any one person and holding like that person <laughs> yeah. in uh, especially responsible or um whatever so yeah like the, that man that that whole uh, technical situation that was Bizarre campaign getting thrown out. That whole sequence is just insane.
1: So I missed the first part. And in case you're wondering what you're listening to, this is Nebraska Prep's game <laughs> yeah. with your seven minutes of NBA talk. But when he first shoved um, Caruso, which, by the way, I'm a fan because uh, Mr. Vipon, who teaches at North, uh, that is his nephew. And oh. he's one of the really good – Vipon is one of the great guys at Omaha North. So he's turned us on to Caruso for years. So, um, when he first shoved him, I didn't see it because the angle was bad. Yep. I did see the ball kind of rolling after he threw it at him. But Montres Harrell to get out of that scot-free was kind of interesting. Yeah. So,
0: part of, like, just what we're talking about, the people throwing themselves around, that thing elevated because of, so, Chris did not hit LeBron that hard. He did not send him flying campaign did not hit caruso that hard you could see him taking a little push to send himself um, sliding across the court and lebron or harold uh, H- did truck <laughs> um campaign after that though that was a real reaction even though he tried to catch like catch him like oh i'm just breaking up or whatever like i don't know what the heck that deal was just running like dude you're 6'9 250 and you're just running over the dude like it is interesting that they found all of those actions basically identical is if you listen to the explanation, they basically just handle that. Two techs to Cam for the shove and the ball. One tech to Caruso for the going in and knocking the ball free and, and pushing Cam or whatever. And, and then one tech for Harrell running him over. So everybody just got a tech in that play. Cam just happened to get both of them for uh, Phoenix, and he does need it.
1: Phoenix would have came out on top of that if he simply held on to the ball instead of chucking it at him. So here's the deal. Let me Let me transition a little bit into high school because yeah. – the, the NBA game is is, uh, is vastly different from the way the high school game is played, especially when it comes to some of the iso ball and and a little bit of um, the analytics, right? Good shot, bad shot. Either it's either something at the rim or a three in the NBA. When you look at, like, the high school game, have you noticed over the last two or three years, four probably, because I'm going back to one of my kiddos, with the, with the head throwing yeah. and the initiating contact off the dribble. Have you noticed any carryover from what you see happening in the NBA to what you've seen on the high school and the youth level? There's always going to be some of that. Kids are always going to try to imitate what
0: they see, the, the best that are doing it right now. They're going like, to be watching YouTube videos. They're going to be um, out there trying to practice the, those same moves. Like, heck, the, the Harden step-back three, which... Oh, my still, gosh,
1: ruined the game for five years. <laughs> it, it, it ruined youth basketball for five years, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> it's funny, I, get, I saw Get a, off my lawn. <laughs> I saw a kid pull that in, in a game against my team last summer, and uh, wasn't close to making it, but uh, got called for travel on it. And, yeah. he's like, and he's, like, complaining to the ref after it. Was like, yeah, the, the gather step rules, I don't think they're the same in the NBA as they are at lower levels. So, but like little things like that. Um, I think a lot of the, like the shot selection and all that kind of stuff, that's more from the coaches coming on down. There's like, you just watch, like watching throughout the Metro watching throughout the state, whatever you can see, there are some programs that really stress shot selection versus others that (laughs) that don't really, and kind of a lot of times that'll correlate to, to success to a certain degree. So, um, so it's kind of a mix of the way the game as a whole is going and the way it's being taught versus kids on their own trying to learn and copy
1: and imitate some of the stuff that they're seeing the pros do. Rapid fire but because you're you're bright um when you when you want a consummate high school point guard and you want him to look at somebody's game let's say at the NBA level who does Jacob Padilla gravitate towards? I <laughs> you can't say Steve Nash. Let's say yeah. let's stay current. It, everybody well, wants a Nash.
0: I'll, the other the point guard on my team right now chris <laughs> is paul. chris paul um and just the the decision making the way that he doesn't turn the ball over monte morris if you're looking for kind of a lower profile guy like he is one of the best decision makers we've ever seen like his assist turnover ratio is just historic um so back
1: up for um Nuggets. nuggets there so um, um iowa you know, state fred hordberg guy there uh the reason why i like that is because i compare sometimes i compare caleb to monte morris a ton especially when caleb is feeling like he doesn't want to shoot the basketball yeah. um you know i compare him a lot to monte morris what about like the evolution of these stretches because there's a difference between like i wouldn't even call bam Adebayo a stretch he's not he's just a it's a very active big. Let's say, uh, you know, an Anthony Davis is playing small. He's not playing the five for the Lakers. And um, give me a stretch four. Um Gosh, I almost want to say Julius Randle, but he doesn't shoot it well enough. Well, this year he has. Like I know he, yeah. this is. But then we saw yesterday that's yeah. the Julius That'll Randle happen. that the <laughs> Lakers had moved on from. Yeah. What about for for those for those tweener bodies? You see, it's not like you're going to turn a guy like Will Kyle or or uh, I guess Trout isn't a good example because he is kind of stretchy. But these fours that are really athletic, really active. Who who's like a template that that you'd like? Yeah, that's tough right now, and that's kind of where the game is
0: at this point. Where because there's you, a big difference between yeah. like
1: let's say Luke Junger's and and Will Kyle, although for all intents yeah. and purposes they will be re- being re- recruited kind of as, as the same, right? Yeah, and the
0: because of where the game is going, it does get a little bit tougher for those guys that aren't six ten, six eleven, like to be a six eight center. It's a little bit tougher this year. Generally, those guys used to be power forwards where you could still kind of have the same skill set as a center but be okay at the four at the next level and uh, going into the pros. It's changed a little bit now where, depending on the coach, like there's still a lot of coaches that don't require shooting from their front court, um, but there aren't as many of them. And so that's kind of where you really do have to, if you're kind of one of those tweener guys, like what we've seen with Jason Green. Throughout his whole uh, career,
1: great call. He's the guy from that a sh- yeah. stretchy yeah. four, still needing an elite skill.
0: Yeah, and and so there's it's still a work oh, in progress. Cool. But throughout his development, they, uh, his family, and he and his coaches, they didn't want to pigeonhole him into being a post. Yeah. They've had him handling the ball. They've had him working on the shot. Again, he still needs to kind of take that next leap to to really excel at the next level in those roles. But they've given him the foundation to work off of because they saw the way the game was going and they understood that. We don't want him to be – yeah, he's taller than all the other kids in his class at a younger age, but we don't want to pigeonhole him into having to be a five and not having the necessary skills to help himself succeed. So it it is kind of tougher now, and and that's why we do see, especially at the youth level, so so much of – like I know this is big at OSA where it's positionless. Like a lot of the offense they run, a lot of the drills they do, everybody goes through everything – you still like if you've got good post players you, you um you, you take advantage of that you give them the opportunity to do what they do well but when you're going through practice everybody goes through the same drills um we play a lot of four out a lot of five out type of offense for um all of our pro uh, all of our teams in the program for the most part so um that's kind of the way the game has shifted to trying to give those guys that are tweeners a better chance to succeed are you a ball
1: screen guy or not a ball screen guy so
0: it's funny. I am cuz Steve Nash uh watching that coming up it's that's the, why I the fell in epitome. love with the game. I haven't really had kids that have been great with ball screen so honestly my brother is probably the best like ball screen uh passer that I've had and um it was back in middle school when I was coaching him. So um we we I always I always have a ball screen off or play within my offense to go to uh and like especially if Team's got a big guy that don't think he can move very well. I'm calling that quite often, but never really had one where. All right, we're gonna run spread pick and roll the whole game because um, that that just hasn't really been the skill set of the guys that I've had.
1: If you're a below the rim guy, let let's just let's get to Nebraska, right? I mean Nebraska high school because this is kind of what we've seen evolve over the last four or five years. And when I say below the rim, I don't I mean like not a high flyer. I mean like a Josh Dix. Uh, who obviously has bounce. Yeah. Not getting into the particulars. Uh, a Tate odd body. Guys like that. What's the what are what are some of the what are some non-negotiable skills you think that those guys got to have? I think a huge
0: one is balance. When you're going to the rim, you're staying on balance. You're sh- you're squared to the rim. You're able. To, so even if you have to contort your body, extend whatever, you're on balance. So you can put up a makeable shot. That's the first thing. Like that, you see so many kids that kind of just fly at the rim, out of control, and throw stuff up, hoping to get a foul call. You you need to go to the rim, not expecting to get a call, put up a makeable shot. If you get a call, great. Use your body, kind of carve out that space.
1: But I think that's huge. Is
0: You know who's the, the really balance. good at
1: that? You know, Underappreciated, because people get so mad at him because he plays so hard, but keeping it on the high school level, that's O'Malley. Yeah. Yeah, and gets downhill, finds a way to finish. From, a, good touch. from from Creighton yeah. from Creighton Prep, yeah. he's just crafty with the basketball around. And just the, the, Josiah Dosler
0: too has gotten really good at that. At um, w- when his ability to take the contact, extend, finish, like um, when he's got the space to work with, and he's making good decisions, he's a like a, that uh, that 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 recruit look weekend we, we talked about way back that yeah. first week against that Colorado Hawks game. He had like four or five and ones just because the change of speed. The acceleration and the extend and finish, taking absorbing the contact of the body, carving out space to get that shot up. Um, so it's and you mentioned Tate. Tate's got a really unique game with his ability to kind of I, extend I so. and so almost, finish.
1: So we've. I'm obviously quite a bit older than you, but you're almost going to be in double digit years. I've watched this for, oh, 21 years. He's it's hard to find a comp for Tate Atbod. Oh yeah. It is very hard to find a comp for him. People ask me about him all the time because Westside's getting a lot of run yeah. as a team next year. And By the way, I would make Bellevue West number one. Um, I would probably make Prep two. I know that's not going to be popular. A lot of people like Westside. And then I'd probably make Westside three. That would kind of be my preseason, just knowing what I know. We can get into yeah. that in a little bit. But um, I don't have a comp for him. He's a very good shooter. He defies analytics because of his mid-range game. People think those aren't good shots, but he's kind of like DeRozan or maybe a Kawhi Leonard where he makes a fair amount of 12 to 15 footers. He's a no, 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 yes guy. (laughs) I don't really have a comp for him. And he's one of the, like we were talking about, he was about his
0: height in... Sixth grade or so, like he was way ahead of the pack back then, and he was playing like a big. Over the last three, four, five years, he's really worked on developing those perimeter skills, and it's kind of resulted in a unique game. And because he's not lightning quick w- with the ball, not uh, necessarily an advanced ball handler, but he's so good at again finding ways to get shots up around around the basket and and making it work. So there are a lot of guys that are like that, just kind of unique games, but. Um, that's kind of
1: how I think of when I think of a guy like Landon Pekorski too. Like I don't, when I look at him, I don't see like one elite skill, right? Not an elite ball handler, not an elite shooter. Uh, he used to have elite size and strength, but now it's, he's the youngest on a high end of a totem pole at the high school level, but just very crafty. Right, like can find angles. He can play through contact.
0: And he's got good feel, and that's a huge part of it is he can read situations. He can make the right pass when he's running the pick and roll, when he's getting downhill to kick it out or to go finish himself. Um, he's got some good moves that he can go to to set up the defender to get to the basket. And that's kind of how you produce the kind of season he did as a freshman where he efficient from three, efficient inside the arc, pretty good from the free throw line. A few assists here and there, a couple boards here and there, double-digit scorer as a freshman. That that's pretty
1: rare to have that kind of complete of a stat line at the Class A level. How do you evaluate with 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 high school coming up? Right, these guys will take the summer or or June off. We're into high school. How do you compare and contrast and evaluate the two? Because I like to equate it. We talked a little bit off pod where I say you know sometimes summer high school basketball can be a lot like. A spring game, right? Where you always have these stars, where it doesn't translate into the regular season. How how does Jacob Padilla look at the high school selection process? Not selection, the high school stretch here in June, as you try to evaluate where programs are.
0: And we, because I'll
1: see you in every gym, yeah. Because that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, and we talked previously
0: about kind of how AU and um, and high school ball kind of can work together to help the kids kind of produce. Um, give them more opportunities and help them improve their overall uh, gains. And th- there are a lot of kids, whether it's because of depth in the program or fit or whatever, that j- just for whatever reason, they're, they're a pretty solid basketball player, but they just never really kind of crack into the rotation with their high school team. And I've coached a couple kids like this where um, they had really good summers for me playing against their, their age level, playing uh, against our competition level, and then um, go to the high school. One that wasn't able to ever crack the rotation, and the other ended up getting cut before his senior year. And he was my best player that summer.
1: Um, great. How much, program how much does officiating have to do with it? It's a little loose in the summer. Yeah, not, it, not like that in the fall. Is that like what are? It's, walk walk us through what you think some of those indicators are.
0: It's definitely a little different, especially because you've got that third uh, ref in the high school game, whereas most of the time outside of the big games, you're only going to have two um, in in the AU. Guys aren't going to be as, by the book, strict to every single little thing. So you can get away with a lot more. Um, so there, there is a little bit different there in style of play, especially, I mean, there's some coaches that, that, that don't follow my philosophy, but I don't run a strict system. Like I, th- The way I play is I, give them, I try to get the kids in space and let them make decisions, let them make plays, show what they can do. That's kind of how I view summer ball, is give the kid a chance to learn and show what they can do. Um, and be in the situation where they can make decisions and react live to what the defense is thrown at them and try to make the right play high school uh, a lot of coaches are a lot more strict about their system running what they want you to do there's a lot more control I, obviously the 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 shot clock discussion we, we've had kind of plays into Which that it's
1: gonna be interesting in
0: 2022 for if we do in fact get some yeah. guinea pigs. And you've got, what, four or five coaches on the bench, so you're each guy they are looking at little different things. So, like, if one of the coaches, oh, he, he messed up here, a lot of time the kids will get yanked. So, it, mentally, the high school game is so much different than summer ball where you can just go out and play. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference is kind of the mental side of it versus just
1: the overall talent, skill, ability side of it. If you could move one closer to the other would you move summer closer to winter or would you move winter closer to summer
0: <laughs>
1: um, I'd probably
0: yeah, probably do a little bit of both because there are extremes in I, both I would
1: probably move winter closer to summer
0: and that's I, kind I, of I,
1: I really would if and like forced yeah.
0: to choose I, I would move that way I like a little bit more free-flowing. I 100% agree with you. Like So that's kind of where I was going. I didn't necessarily want to
1: say it because we know a lot of coaches who probably aren't going to agree with us. that's fine. But, hey, yeah. you know, I, but that makes the world go around, yeah. right? Because if we all thought the same, there would be no growth.
0: Yeah, and, I, I, and <laughs> in both ways, there, there are extremes in both. There are so many. There are a lot of AAU programs that match the stereotype. Then there are a lot that, are play, um, that play good basketball that teach the kids the right way there are, there's a lot of that out there so it's not all this stereotypical uh running guy nobody's playing defense No, like all that kind of stuff um then on high school it's not all control freak coaches like there are some out there but there are a lot of coaches that do like as long as you're doing your job you do get to play a little bit so it's kind of give and take there
1: don't um, you like as a basketball guy don't those extremes drive you crazy because oh, yeah. Listen, Izzo went through a stretch where they were grabbing the ball out of the rim. They were pushing tempo. They were pushing pace. They still were able to guard. North Carolina, top 10 almost every year in defensive efficiency, taking the ball out of the rim and pushing pace. Like, you can play free-flowing and still guard if that's really how you coach. I mean, I – the team that everybody talks about, the Fifteens for Adidas, pretty free flowing offense. But you cannot play if you don't guard. Right? Like, you can. It doesn't have to be loosey goosey, whistle never yeah. blows in the summer. Versus, okay, three officials. Don't pass up a good shot to get a better shot. Give me, you know, Normandale seven pa- five passes. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be like that either.
0: Exactly, and I think that's ultimately what we're trying to get towards. As a Hoosiers
1: reference over there, Sasha. In case you were like Norman Dale, like, you know, you know, Jacobs Brothers, a lot like Jimmy Chitwood, You know, anyway, I actually did
0: see Hoosiers for the first time. I think during the quarantine pandemic period, all
1: that. So listen, no judgment zone here. <laughs> your your boy has still never seen Pulp Fiction. Nope, start to finish. Um, I I just watched Caddyshack like three years ago. Haven't seen it. Saw Fletch over Christmas break because one Gary Sharp, like, held a gun to my (laughs) head. I was 44 years old when I saw that movie. So, I listen, no judgment zone here. It's fine, man. We're busy. We like sports. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. There's always,
0: most of the time, there's always something, some live sports on TV to watch and hard to get back to, to
1: TV and movies and stuff. For the coaches, how do you think, okay, so... Let's uh, whose feelings won't we hurt? Um, let's take Fekin. um, Gretna, right? Can has played a couple of different ways. Yes. He has the guys. He'll play tempo. Doesn't have the guys. We saw him this year. Value almost every possession with the ball. We saw him. What year was that? Where they beat Platteview in the opener with Brady Hyman, and they squeezed. Every possession. Well, the year before, they were getting up and down the court, right? Uh, so a guy like that that can play a couple of different ways. How do you think these coaches should use summer to get them ready for the season? Can, how much evaluating do you think you can do? That, and that's kind of, I think,
0: ultimately what coaches are trying to figure out. Right, where's the balance here between doing what we really want to do and not necessarily throwing everything out there and giving different guys chances. Because it is, I, I kind of liken summer league to, say, like NBA preseason or whatever, where you're giving your starters a chance to get out there, let them play together. But then you're also bringing in these, these like, street free agents, you're bringing in your rookies, and giving them a chance to get out there and kind of um, get in the mix and show, show you what they can do. So you do have summer where guys that probably aren't going to end up playing a ton get a chance to play quite a bit, and then you can kind of learn, all right, where is this player at within his development? Is he a guy that we can count on for this year, or is he a guy that's going to be down the road? Um, So that's, that's, again, we watch a ton. Um, It it is definitely educational to see um, these kids, kind of where they're at, how they're playing together, but you can't necessarily draw too much from it because different programs have different levels of continuity from the the season to the summer to the season. There are a lot of... uh, a lot of teams that have multi-sport kids, football kids that aren't out there uh, versus others that have, like, their whole top seven almost um, and are playing every summer event. Um, I mean, that's we, – we talked about kind of Millard South last summer. Even, like, Lance oh, they Walker. Were fa- they were yeah.
1: fantastic in the summer. I yeah. watched them. They beat Bellevue West. They were yeah. playing at a really, really high level. It's really free-flowing. And then they get off the kind of start that they did, and people are wondering – if Coach Lucian forgot how to coach, yeah. I'm like, and I would tell you they're very capable. Yeah. Then I watched them do a number on West Side right before they started district play, and lo and behold, they wind up in state. Like, yeah. it's kind of weird like that.
0: And sometimes it's it's as simple as confidence. Where um, I think some of those guys they they were playing well, shots were falling down, they were feeling good during the summer, shots didn't fall early in the year, and it kind of it kind of got to them, and it took a while for them to kind of find an offensive rhythm. A lot of those guys didn't shoot the ball as well as they're capable of. So that, that's a big part of it too. And I think that's huge. That's a part of what summer can do for you. It can help you build up that confidence, especially if you're a younger player trying to break through and get into the mix to play at the varsity level. You go out there, you hit a couple of shots here and there, you make a nice play, and you're feeling good about yourself. Like, okay, I can do this. And, and that is the kind of stuff that can carry over into the high school season, into whatever level you're going to end up playing.
1: All right, two quick things, because it's a podcast, we can go over time. We both agree with Auburn and C high school. I think we agree. I don't want to put words in your mouth. They're the fave.
0: Yeah. um, I haven't looked at all the rosters. They obviously – they're losing quite a bit with their two best players, but they've got um, some young guys too within their program, obviously the way he coaches.
1: Who's the favorite in B? (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Probably Scott, honestly. I think – Even though they may not, they probably don't have the best individual player. Yes. But may have the best collection because there's a guy in in Wahoo and there's a guy in Springfield, Platteview. (laughs) Both those guys in Glock and Milliken are pretty good. Wahoo going back to B? I can't keep track. I think, (laughs) right? Isn't that...
0: I, I can't. They're bouncing back and forth. They were they were B two years ago. This this year, this past year, they were they were C one
1: again. If it goes they, in dual schedules, then they may be back in C one. I thought they wanted to play B, yeah. but and so yes, um, I think the
0: thing is like Plattview's got the best talent. They're losing Tyler Riley, who was a big P. He was their their second. Yeah, he was the first second, second in the law firm. Uh, and so Alex Draper's coming back. He, he was only a sophomore, so they've got some young pieces too. But
1: it, it was Riley. It was Riley uh, Milliken and Draper that just sounded the best for yeah, the law firm. Yeah. So even though yeah. Milliken was was the man, you know you're going to get 25 to 30 out of
0: Connor in any given game. Draper will give you 10 to 15. How many more points do you need, and where is that going
1: to come from? Gosh, that's going to be if he grows into yeah. that slight frame. Yeah, could be a really good player.
0: So they've definitely got a chance. And the fact that they I, were you were Scott. Head, of, head of schedule here, Scud, I think just the depth in their program. That's kind of where. They get kind of – we'll see if any of those guys are ready to take that, that next step and be th- – that's where um, kind of – that's the difference. You've got the top-end talent in Connor Milliken versus Scott. You've got just a bunch of guys that can play. And but I play also high think level this, summer.
1: this summer is – I don't want to – as note-taking as it might be for Milliken has learned to defer and play a bunch of different ways. I think it'll serve him well at the high school level next year as as a facilitator too because he can go get a bucket anytime he wants to oh
0: for sure and teams are going to know that especially if you don't have to worry about riley now you, you they're going to be a lot of hard doubles there's going to be a lot of people putting at the rim against him so the ability to read kind of what they're doing and make the right play kinda, going back kinda, where kinda, we started
1: with dc west will be interesting too uh, as i start to think about young talent coming up they're gonna be interesting ron collie will be interesting yeah, Ron Colley, I think will be in the mix with
0: um, with Jake Orr, kind of leading that. They've they've got a few kids that kind of got the experience
1: this year that were grew up, up in and down. A hurry, but, didn't yeah. after the slow start last year. Yeah. What about Class A? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this. Um, and and I, I, know, I don't want to sway you. Yeah, no,
0: I know I, you're trying. I, to, you're I, trying to batten down the expectations for Omaha West Side. I, I think it's, I think three. you start
1: with Bellevue West. I listen. You know why this, I say that? Yeah. Let me just. I'm just gonna keep it 100 because it's you and and everybody listening. There's something about being winners. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it, it's not. And 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 listen, I West Side the guys that are used to winning are a little younger. Now, what role they'll play going into next year, we'll see. But those the guys over off of three seventy have won a lot of basketball games
0: and. The depth, they've gotten to the point now within that program where they just reload. Like, yes, you're losing one of the best players we've ever seen in Chucky Hepburn and Frankie Fiddler turned into an absolute monster. But all those other guys in that program, the young guys, the guys that are coming back, they've Stoopy, won too. They were right there Jayden along with it. Jaden
1: Jackson, Will Kyle III, Evan Inselman, like, Josiah
0: Dotes are kind of stepping back into that point guard role.
1: They've got, they've that, got dudes. That's your preseason number one. I. And and listen, and you know me, it's not like I'm not going to shy away from the competition. If I felt like it should be somebody other than Bellevue West, I would tell you.
0: I think it's a little bit kind of like the discussion in college where Iowa was so highly ranked in the preseason because everything they brought back versus whereas there's some other programs that weren't as high that ended up being really good because, well, they were kind of unknowns. Whereas. Um, Westside, they're bringing everybody back. Like, you don't, you you didn't lose a senior that actually played in, in the rotation. So, you've got everybody back. It'll be interesting to see kind of how rules change. Are are you going to have somebody emerge to be that go to guy? That's what they were missing last year. They, they, they can't,
1: Westside can't run it back the way that they did a year ago and be better. And just assume
0: that because they brought everybody back, it's, it's 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 not, they're going to get it it's, done. It's not happening.
1: Yes. Now, equally as important is Josiah Dotsler is going to have to learn to go back to being the primary ball handler and the distributor, right? Getting Stuvie involved, getting Jaden Jackson involved, yes. making sure, you know, William Kyle keeps you honest by, because you need post touches okay. with those guys. And then some men still gets those good looks like they, they got bodies, right? I mean, they got guys. I still, I like, I kind of like prep. Again, the
0: same deal with W S where it's this they kind of reload. Like they, they lose guys, other guys step up that whether they're J V, whether they're backups on varsity, they step up and they do make the leap almost every single year. Those guys if, if, get you, take a better. Top,
1: if you take a top two, where do O'Malley and let's say Jungers, if you believe that those are the, their top two coming back, who do those two have to take a back seat to? That's, yeah, it's pretty solid. Um I, I mean I, maybe maybe uh, Reggie and, and, and Chandler at Westside. Um, take your pick yeah. of, of Kyle the third, Insleman, yeah. Doltzler. Take two of those three. Like, who do they have to take a back I, seat to? The key will be what kind you. of leap
0: Casey can make because we know uh, uh, Luke was their leading scorer this year, about 11 points a game, able to step out, stretch. Um, Casey was the spark plug off the bench. There's a difference between being the 6th man and now being one of your
1: primary ball handlers, your go-to scorers. How about the defending state champs? They bring back Jason Green. You've got David, you've got Mosser, you've got you've got a lot of guys in that program that have been chomping at the bit to play, but it's a lot it reminds me a lot of Westside. A lot of talent, but the guys that are used to winning or a little younger outside of Jason Green.
0: Exactly. And we will see. <laughs> we've kind of been waiting for it with Jason because of the guys he's played with his whole career. Now it's his chance to kind of step into that role and show, all right, have you made the leap? Are you really good in any one of these areas? Can you be the primary scorer? Because he's never really been that. He's been the utility guy because of the, the scoring around him. He's capable. He's so good defensively. Um, he, he crashed the glass. He can, he can make the extra pass to get a wide-open shooter. Like he can do all those little things. Now he'll have a chance to, hey, go get yourself a bucket. And we'll see kind of how he's developed in that area. Kind of the same thing with we were talking about with Josiah Dozer Now he's kind of taking the back seat, playing alongside Chucky, um, kind of moving off the ball. Now you get a chance to go back to be that, that point guard, to be the guy that runs everything. Kind of how do you transition into that role? So it's going to be really interesting seeing so many different guys stepping into roles this year because – we were losing such a phenomenal 2021 class where guys have had roles for multiple years and been really good in
1: it. I, and I also do believe you'll have two Lincoln teams for sure in the preseason top 10 with Southwest and Pius. I like Haas uh-huh. at Pius. I know they lost a ton. That's a good team. They played 10 guys a year ago. Coach and- Spitschko will have them back. And Southwest was – if they're healthy – they're good, so add a lot of green. Pius, Southwest, and Gretna, who was young a year <laughs> yeah. ago, a lot of green—no pun intended—in the top <laughs> ten. I think, in my opinion,
0: yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong with any one of those. All those, all three of those teams have absolutely have the chance to make that leap. You had Jared Bor going from Southwest to Pius, transferring there, but then Southwest a, still has a, Ryland Smith, Ben Hunziker in the backcourt. Yeah, it's gonna have to change, like. You have to play a certain way within that program, but also, I mean, uh, we we saw the way that Sam Horberger played this last year, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how he meshes with Coach Spitschka over there. And um, the like Brady Christensen's played really well this spring. Um, Christensen, both Haas riders, they've got size, got length, athleticism. Quietly, Brady Christensen,
1: one of the better multi-sport athletes. And how about this? If if I had to buy some stock. And I wanted to buy consistent. It may not yield a ton, but I'm not going to lose money. Coach Spichka. Pencil that guy in for making a run late. Him and his staff. That's a well coached bunch. I don't have any problems putting stock in yeah, those they, guys. They've, they've done a great job the last few years kind of building it to where
0: a next group comes in. Uh, we know how we're going to play. It's going to be tough. We're not going
1: down easy. All right. Well, you know what? You did disappoint. The man, the myth, the legend. We went NBA. We went a smidge of college. We went a ton of high school. We went rules, regulations. He's great at what he does. That's Jacob Padilla. I'm ODB. That's Sasha making sure that we're really good behind the scenes and we're all sorts of buttoned up. Don't miss next week. We'll almost be to week one of high school summer basketball. Almost Almost there couple days away camp start for most schools on june 1st that's nebraska preps post game we'll be back next week that's jacob padilla i'm odb a hood at media production